0: Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa demattis Lapore and Ann Baldwin.
2: And welcome to another edition of The Connection. I am Ann Baldwin, and it's a pleasure to be here today.
1: And I'm Lisa Demandis Lapore, CEO from The Connection. Good morning.
2: Good morning, and we want to thank all of our loyal listeners for getting up bright and early, and hopefully you like what we're talking about. And um, you know, we're just we're really talking about things that are going on in our society and issues that we have not only here in Connecticut but really across the country. And one of the big issues really is uh, is foster care. I know in my work with The Connection, I've seen so many incredible stories. And talk to families that have fostered children, in some cases adopted them, and really, you know, made them part of their own. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing to think that these kids out there that really need somebody to love them, need somebody to guide them through life, that there are those families that are willing to open up their hearts and their homes um, to these vulnerable, in many cases, Children. So, we've got Tiffany McCarthy here from uh, Family Children's Agency, FCA. So, welcome, Tiffany, to welcome, the program. Tiffany. Thank you. So, talk you a little bit about FCA, which is um, the director, you're the director of family support for FCA. But, you know, what do you do and how long have you been there and how's it going? Thank
0: you. So I am the Director of Family Support at Family and Children's Agency. Uh, I have had the pleasure of working at the agency for over 20 years Wow! um, in several capacities, Uh, most recent uh, for the past, goodness, like over 10 years as Director of Family Support. Um, At the agency, we look at um, supporting um, individuals and families through all different phases of life, Um, so we, we focus on children and family, youth, adults, and seniors. Um, and in doing that, we have, um, programs that are designed for, um, families, um, in the home. We go into the home working with first-time families, um, focusing on, um, developmental aspects for their children, making sure that they have the supports in place to ensure that their kids are, um. You know, developing, thriving, and yeah. thriving. Um, on the other side of that, we also have programs that are that fall under uh, family support, where um, the Department of Children and Family maybe have become involved with a family. So we support families through, again, you know, a lot of. Um, support around um, child development, child needs, but also accessing uh, community resources, um, and then addressing the safety concerns that have led to DCF, um, Department of Children and Families, being involved with them. We also, for families that are um, have children in the uh, Department of Children and Families care. We also have reunification services, and certainly um, we also work with the connection through the supportive housing for families program. Um, we also have a very large foster care department. At and you do something unique
2: with your foster care program.
0: We do. In my program, we have um, something called the caregiver support team. So our foster, we have a foster care department at um, Family and Children's Agency, but caregiver support, which is um, in. Anyways, similar to foster care um, but it has um, it's the uniqueness of caregiver support teams is that we were working with relative caregivers or kin care caregivers um, this was a, a program that was developed several years ago because there really was an effort to make sure that if children needed to be removed from their their families um, that there would be some attention given to where that placement is going to be um, traditionally you know, for many years, it was just a traditional foster care placement with mm-hmm. someone or a family that the child didn't know. Um, with caregiver support teams under family support, we um, work with the re- relatives that have been identified as a resource for this child. So a child might be placed with their grandmother or their uncle. Um, so in a, in a setting that they know. Um, exactly. And, and we know that that's going to that's gonna help them feel more secure um, but it's not just as easy as that. Cause we also recognize that, you know, for these families, some of these caregivers that are identified, um, and that step up, maybe not, you know, they could have woken up in the morning and suddenly realized this child needs me, you know? So mm-hmm. there wasn't necessarily the preparation, you know, if someone goes into, you know, a traditional foster care, um, you work up to, you that, work up to that, you're right trained up to that. and whatnot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, So these placements are unique like that. Um, And so we also recognize that they need unique support around, you know, what is it like to all of a sudden be now the parent to your grandchild? Um, It's a different role.
2: It's a different role, and you're at a different stage in your life. You know, that's one of the things. I just had my my grandson with me for the weekend, and he's uh, six months old. And i got to tell you, At the end of that weekend, I was exhausted. Yes. You know, and I've got my things that I need to do that I do on a regular basis on the weekends. Guess what? Nothing got done. Yeah. Because my focus and my undivided attention was on on this kid. So Mm -hmm. it really does. And I think, thank goodness I had my kids when I was the age I did because I don't know if I could do this again. So it takes a lot out of you. And a lot of these grandparents are not only taking in one grandchild
0: multiple. They're taking yeah. in two, three, sure. you know. So it's and it's, a, you know. and, it's and of course we do, we work with a lot of grandparents, but it also might be, you know, we've had instances where it was an uh, older sibling who took in, you know, mm-hmm. so you know, a sibling maybe in their early 20s that now is parenting a sibling that's, you know, preteen, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's, there's a lot of issues that go into that, right? Right. because right. all of a sudden, you know, their, you know, ability to have freedom to be, you know, a 20 something person, you know, and whatever that looks like now it's very cha- much changed because... They are responsible for another human being besides themselves, mm-hmm. um, so we support that. You know, um, one of the things is you know, looking at your example and of you know having your grandchild for the weekend. So that probably entailed you know six month old. You probably changed a lot of diapers, a you, lot. Yeah, you, you fed, <laughs> a <lot>. fed the, <laughs> you, um, the child. You bathed you know, bathe the child. dressed the child. Slept with them. <laughs> All important All that, tasks yes. and, yeah. and a hard task, right? But you didn't have to figure out anything about um, daycare or pediatrician or um, maybe, you know, birth to three coming in, you know, other services that this child may need, right? Because you mm-hmm. turn the child back over yes, to I did. their parent, you know, <laughs> at the end of the weekend. I right. took a nap probably, right? right. right? a Big one. <laughs> so these are the things that we look at, mm-hmm. um, really helping support that. Another big issue with these um, with these uh, relative placements is the idea of intergenerational trauma, you know. So if I'm a grandmother that's now taking on the caretaking role, the primary caretaking role of my grandchild, you know, there is also you know the loss of like what what happened, you know, what did I do as a parent that maybe led to this this right. placement? That's hard.
1: That's difficult. You know,
0: um, you know, also you know just the the idea that my child can't can't parent. Pare, pare, and pare, parent their children you know that's really difficult you know so um, you know we we help address some of that and again looking at um, resources um, at Family and Children's Agency we also have a, um, a behavioral health program So we are very lucky that you know we're able to, work with them to engage some of our families that need extra support, some extra clinical support in our behavioral health program. Mm-hmm. That's you know um, one of the luxuries of having an agency with such vast programs as Family and Children's Agency has that we're able to link people, not only in the community, but actually right within our agency. Um, you know, we have also families that are um, facing substance abuse issues. I was going to say we, that. Yeah. yeah. So we have you know, children f- being born addicted. Yep. Exactly. You know? yep. Yep.
2: So, but it's got to be better for the kid too, I would think, because, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, you take these and, and, you know, I'm, my office is in a building that has DCF services and I see these workers, you know, carrying in these babies yep. and bringing in these children and there might be, you know, they might have a visit with a parent And I see the tears and the emotion and in in some cases, you know, obvious dysfunction. And I even say to myself, thank God that woman that just walked out of here doesn't have custody of these kids right now because I just, I can see it. I can just see that it's not a good fit. So Mm -hmm. at least there's other options and you've looked beyond the tradition of where these kids can go. I
1: think that's really important that... um, D, our DCF commissioner um, Katz, that she really identified this as a huge problem and you know that these, this program exists mm-hmm. because I really think it's a huge missing piece out of the system. So I'm really happy to hear that because we also, I, I can remember one incident, I'll never, ever forget it. In the very beginning when I worked at the connection, we had a women you know, we have a women's program. and the social worker brought DCF worker brought the child to visit mom. That kid was holding on to the railing, did not want to leave mom, and was screaming and kicking. I don't want to go back to. And again, it's just you know seeing the mom and just all mm-hmm. the adjustment and seeing, sort of the torment and what that's like. It was. I'll never forget it. It was. It was horrendous. Right. Children it's still don't a picture in my head. Children don't, don't understand, understand those adult right.
0: issues that that their parents are facing that lead to their removal they don't understand that Mm -hmm. you know at least they don't understand it on a level that as adults we understand it right um and so being able to like in that instance knowing that you're going back to someone that knows you that you know knows your special family traditions perhaps or you know really values um your your relationship with your parent can Mm -hmm. talk to you about your parent you know in a good way in a good way even in a bad
2: situation yeah yeah
0: I think you know with caregiver support teams another beautiful thing about them is is that these placements create opportunities for maybe longer term placement you know so there might be a transfer of the guardianship of that child from the biological parent to grandma right So, yeah, that is that can be hard, obviously, Mm -hmm. to know I don't have guardianship of my child anymore. But at least, you know, I also know my my child is not in an unfamiliar setting. You know, they're in a setting that I know, Um, you know, we work with um, the caregivers also on some hard things like setting boundaries, because, again, you know, the, the child is, you know, placed with you. But the child's in the custody of Department of Children and Families. Mm-hmm. So understanding, you know, like, unfortunately, that doesn't mean that, you know, maybe the biological parent can sleep over or maybe even come visit the house. You know, so you still might be doing visits within the community. Um, my reunification and therapeutic family time program that I oversee, um, they work with those children um, where they we do visits in the community um, and in um, biological parents' homes, you know, in an effort to reunify these children. Mm-hmm. You know, but... You know, it's two. It's two different things. You know, you've got you're a grandmother, but you're also working. You know, on behalf of DCF. Right. In some ways. Right.
1: So, can, yeah. So, do your staff go into the the, the homes and conduct, um, you know, counseling? Yeah. To, in, to in, the family, and observe what's going on, etc. Yeah. Yep.
0: In caregiver support teams, we're working in the home, in the caregiver's home. Yeah. And, um, you know helping them to, you know, in the beginning, it might be just helping them sort of, sort of establish this child in the home. What is the, what is the, the um, caregiver need? Again, it, it might be, you know, a, a grandmother. We had years ago a, a situation where we had a, um, a grandmother take over two middle school age kids, and she really struggled with the fact that they needed to have their laptops mm-hmm. because if she thought, well, you know, um, these children were just using it for, to play games, you know, and she really had it hard to time understanding no actually that was a, a laptop that was where they did their homework you right know? right so our caregiver was our our staff was able to help that caregiver understand the changes in education and that was huge you know because right. we can't assume that these people exactly. know all the nuances of today's education right or you know i remember um you know talking with someone who had four children and every time they had a child, it was a different way to put them to sleep. So their first child, it was like, okay, you can put them to sleep on their back. Their second child, no, no, on the back. They has to be on their stomach. And then no, no, not on the stomach. It has to be on the side. And I remember, and this was an educated person I was having conversation with. And they were like, this is crazy. And and I often think about like, you know, what we know because exactly. we're in the business. Mm-hmm. We know all the latest trends and whatnot. Well, then you get someone who, who really their goal was to, you know, spend their day reading books and, you know, maybe going on, you know, family vacations down, you know, down South or, you know, out West to see friends. And now suddenly they're a, they're a parent, you know, we've had a lot of retirement plans interrupted. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you bring up a
2: point too. I remember we, we chatted with a woman on this program and as a person in recovery, I go back to my, my, my recovery days I needed that time. You know, my kids were grown when I went into a rehab and all of that. But I needed that time. I needed that they were out of the state and living on their own. But I needed that at least month and a half to get my act together, to go into this program, to do what I needed to do for myself. I can't imagine trying to do that with small children in the house. Yeah. I don't I don't think I could have done that. Yep. So you, sometimes you just need a break in life. To fix the broken you. Sure. You know, and so to put them in good hands with somebody that you say you might know or has a familiarity with. And it doesn't mean that I was a bad person. I just needed to get better. Right. So that I could be a better person. And if my kids were little, I'm sure they would have come back to me. And isn't that everybody's goal is the reunification. Right. You know, the woman that testified up at the legislature from the connection who was homeless and lost custody of her four kids and um, got temporary housing. Eventually got all four of her kids back, and they're thriving now, right so with the services and with the hope it's um, it's great I just can't imagine the people out there that are willing to take in someone even on a temporary basis so that these people can get back on track and become productive and raise healthy families because you talk about generational issues
1: you got to fix it somewhere exactly yeah. Yeah. there and there is something to be said about treating the individual. With their support system, and that's really how it needs to work. I mean, that really is the best plan if that support system is stable, functioning, supportive, healthy. All the ifs, though, right? Sure. I mean, that's the other key.
0: Yeah, and you bring up a good point. I mean, there's so many services that need to go into place very often when a child, when a parent is struggling you know, to meet their children's needs, and it gets to a point where a removal has to happen, right? And sometimes, even with the best services in place, it continues to be a struggle, and it doesn't become, you know, it it, it really turns into long-term, if not a permanent removal, you know? And I think if, you know, I'd like to think if I was in that position, I'd be able to, on some level, be thankful that while obviously I would want my children back, you know, that at least there was someone that I can trust that I know too. There is, there's some comfort in that too, to Mm -hmm. know that they're not going to a perfect stranger. Mm -hmm. You know, resentments are built up on both sides. You know, I've seen it where, you know, in, in what we'd call a core home, which would be a traditional foster placement, you know, you don't know the person, you know, I've seen you know the the wonderful people that are doing those those placements you know and working really hard on behalf of this child you know, having some opinions about, you know, this child's parent or parents. Well, you look at that little face and you say, how How could you do this? this?" Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know the story behind that parent. And I think that that's something that we also, you know, in our work with families, you know, we have to recognize there's, there's so many stories Stories. and chapters for that person, right? Whether it be someone who is struggling as a first time mom, you know, I did a lot of work at the agency in our nurturing families program. I, um, and you know i I just remember thinking like you can look at someone and think, you make an opinion about how they're going to fare as a parent, and you know, without asking the questions, finding out about them and about where they came from, you know, because you know people joke and think, well, you know I you know, I survived my parents you know hitting me or beating me or whatever they you know and my children will too well maybe they will children are resilient I mean I guess you could go down that Mm -hmm. argument I don't personally believe that you know because I do believe children are resilient but no child should be you know harmed obviously But then I, you know, the bigger question is, but why should they have to, right? right. I, you know, we can't change what you experienced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can maybe help you process that with some trauma work or whatever's necessary. But let's change what your child is going to experience and what a powerful thing you can do as a parent. Exactly. To be able to change what you thought to be what was right in parenting mm-hmm. to a new level of parenting. I mean, it's, it's really, really crucial. And I think, you know, in our, you know, in, maybe not in caregiver support, because we're working with the caregivers as opposed to the parent that, you know, um, had some troubles. But in our other family support programs, we really are making that change. We're talking about the importance of looking at past behaviors as a way to redefine future ones. You know, mm-hmm. and that that's a gift that you give your ch- child. Right. It really is. It really is. You know, and I would think, too, some grandparents,
2: they didn't raise their kids perfectly or they may be the problem. Right? Absolutely. I I look at my own family. I'm like, okay, if something happened to me, which of my family members would I have trusted to raise my kids? Not very many.
0: Yeah. And sometimes that's, you know, it's not not a given that a a caregiver will be the grandparent. But they can also change, right? They know what mistakes they
2: made in raising their kid that is now dysfunctional, that just had a kid. Mm So, you know, and maybe that's their way of making it right again, mm-hmm. saying, I'm not going to do with this grandkid. It's a different relationship right. than it is right. with your own kid. Right. I can it's, say that yeah, from experience. I that, that's yeah,
1: that's hard. It really it is. It's got to be, it's a hard line to be yeah. on if you have mm-hmm. to parent, but you're the grandparent and how do you, how do you make, how do you work those roles, mm-hmm. right? Right.
0: Or just, yeah, just, I mean, you know, we've had, you know, we've had aunts or uncles who have struggled because they are so angry with what their mm-hmm. sibling has done. Yep. To create this situation, or maybe they can't stay clean. You know, yep. I mean, you know, recovery is is such a day by day process, mm-hmm. as, as you I know. know. <laughs> um, you know, and so, all, as a professional, we can, or someone in recovery, you can you can probably understand that better than someone who is watching a loved one make repeated mistakes. Mm-hmm. And how can that be? Mm-hmm. And why do I have to keep? Picking up the, the pieces, you know the pieces yeah. to this, but again, if you look at that child that's in that picture, what an important role that is you know mm-hmm. for that child to have someone consistent in their life when their parent can't be that consistent. Person right, in and their I,
2: life. I can say as someone in recovery, it's that person that needs to focus on themselves. Mm-hmm. So whatever that takes, I mean, would you rather have, you know, let's say a six month break from your kids to figure it out and to get yourself back in shape to a year? And then reunify with your kids and live the rest of your life and, and put those bad things behind you. Yeah. I mean, it's it, in the whole scheme of life, six months, 28 days, whatever it takes for you to recover or get into a program that has the tools that you need to succeed.
1: Yeah. It's so true.
2: Do it. Yeah. Just do it. But you're, you hit on a really good point there too, Tiffany, in that people don't get it. Well, you wouldn't have this problem if you just didn't pick up the drink or the drug right but when you're but when you're suffering and you have a disease, it's not that easy. People need help
1: yeah
0: they do yeah I mean they that's, really a, that's their coping mechanism mm-hmm. at that point for and good or for bad that's what they're that's, that's right what they're doing
1: and you know we see um and you know working in this field that if, in fact, it's substance abuse and the person is, you know, really in recovery and trying to get their stuff together, then everything really hits them, the feeling of guilt, the feeling of, I need to get out of treatment, I can't do this, I need to be taking care of my kids, I have this, I have to, all these 5,000 roles that, you know, every, we all have in this room, right? And um, it's really about, you know, taking the time, but it seems, I don't know, I think we see that a lot with our clients struggling with, oh, it's, third. you know, first thing, how long am I going to be here yeah. is the first is the first question. Mm-hmm. And
2: Well, it freaks you out. I remember when I first went into rehab, well, and they said, you're going to be here for 28 days, no cell phone, no communication in another state. Are you kidding me? I've got, you know, two kids, they're grown, but they need me and I've got a business to run and I've got... All these things, I mean, who's going to do all that? But you know what? I was there, and I had to tell myself, either you give into this program and you take what it's got to give you, or you're going to go right back out there. And and that's why they had me go out of state, because they knew I'd run away and come back home. Mm -hmm. I laugh about it now, but it's not funny. And I'm glad they did. So you're right. Take the time to figure it out. I want to mention, too, that if you want information on any of the programs, you can go to the Connections website at Inc dot org, or they have a helpline, 855-435-7955. And again, you two work collaboratively, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've seen too in the foster care programs, it's not that you just take a kid and put them into a home. These, these families, before they get there, they have support and they have continued support. And when we talk to your, some of your foster care uh, parents at the connection, that's what they appreciate. It's not like, here's this kid. He's going to live here now. Good luck with that. Yeah. There's ongoing follow-up Absolutely. and follow-through, and they really want people to be successful. Absolutely. They want Absolutely. you to succeed. Yeah.
1: So, Tiffany, can you also give us information about how folks in Fairfield County and others in the state could utilize your services at Family and Children's?
0: Absolutely. So we um, we have a, a great website that really outlines everything that we do um, that I invite people to um, take a look at. That's Family and Children's Agency. That's one word, Family and children children's agency.org. Um you can also reach us at 203-855-8765 um, and I think you know we we talked about, I've hit on some of the um, different um, programs that we do but we you know we really we focus on individuals and families, whether it, you know, be in the foster care arena. We also have um, adoption services that we provide, um, you know, doing um, home studies for families looking to adopt, um, as well as, you know, some placement of children, um, both domestically and internationally. And um, That's uh, awesome. I didn't post, know that. Post-adoption work, wow. you know, yeah. Um, cool. Valuable, valuable stuff. And it's so um,
2: wonderful, too. I can speak from experience. I have well my my parents had me then four years went by and they were told they couldn't have any more kids they adopted my sister as a baby and don't you know right then my mom was told she's pregnant so I've got two sisters that are almost the same age and then a brother after that but you know and it's funny until we have until I hear the word adoption or that conversation comes up I forget I forget that she's an adopted sister she's my sister yeah you know we never really talk about it it's just not part of our conversation she's she's one of us and it's weird she had this blonde blonde hair and this she was this big chubby baby and it's like a chameleon right the longer she was in our family the more she looks like us she acts like (laughs) us she just became like one of us so it is a great gift and it's a great gift for people to give um you know to families and to these children that just they just want love and affection that's
1: it how many clients does um, family and Children's serve approximately on a oh. monthly or yearly basis? Do you know off the top of your head? Um,
0: off the top of my head, I mean, over, I think over 10,000 lives we touch um, at least a year. Um, we've been, um, we just celebrated our 75th anniversary wow. last year. Happy birthday. So we're, we're not, we're not new to this field. Yeah. Um, and really um, continue to grow. And I think that we... Um, we really, what I appreciate working there is just, you know, we really look at opportunities and, and see if they make sense for the work that we're doing and how to expand. Um, we have an after-school program we call Aspire, which when I started at the agency, I thought it was really cool. And now I just, I mean, I... I go and spend some time um, there. We have we work with um, middle school and high schoolers and just the opportunities that we provide for those children. Mm-hmm. So I think at every age or every um, stage of life, yeah. whether it be well, we I mean, all like need I said them. a new family yeah. or a teenager right. needing some support. It or you know, the elderly services that we provide Absolutely. through our home care and it's it's just really wonderful.
1: You know, it's pretty interesting that you said at the beginning that you and I have both been at our prospective agencies for over twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That yeah. is
2: well, and it just shows the dedication and commitment that you have for what you do, and that's that's fantastic.
1: We both love what we do. Yeah, absolutely, we do. We love it. We this, we right? love it. Yeah. Well,
2: Tiffany McCarthy, thank you so much, uh, thank Tiffany. You. Again, from Family you, and Tiffany. Children's Agency, and Lisa, this was a great discussion, and hopefully, we've opened up some minds. There might be people out there that are, con- you know, considering fostering or. That are looking for adoption options or... Need support. Need support, whatever it is. You know, help is there. You just got to reach out and... Reach out. Ask. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been another great show. Thanks for being here with me, Lisa. It's always fun. It's always a pleasure. It is. And thank you folks out there for listening to this edition of The Connection, right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. (laughs) So...